what really matters is how my life has changed. You know, I look at the number of days that I've been on Trikafta and the, the period of time that has elapsed between starting Trikafta and how my life changed. That was Gunnar Esiason. Gunnar is a student at Dartmouth's Tuck School of Business, a patient with cystic fibrosis, and a committed advocate for rare disease patients. I'm Ryan Gooch, and you're listening to the AFPA Patient Access Podcast. Gunnar, welcome. Uh, I'm really glad we're getting to do this finally, uh, as we've been looking forward to having you on the program for some time. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Uh, great to be here, and of course, talk about um, all things cystic fibrosis. Yeah, great. So, Gunnar, you know, there's a lot of uh, hubbub right now in the cystic fibrosis community. Um, around the release of this new, these new medications, the triple therapy. And then also, uh, you know, in the health policy space, a lot of discussion about, you know, access to these therapies and concern that we've seen in the last couple of years. Can you kind of just give us an overview of like what's happened in the last, you know, five, six, seven years or so? Yeah, well, uh, Ryan, our uh, cystic fibrosis is, a, is an inherited genetic condition. Uh, pretty much affects every single part of our body, but mostly known for uh, being a respiratory illness. Um, and uh, just recently, we had a, a major FDA uh, drug approval, Trikafta. Um, it's uh, uh, among a class of med- medications called CFTR modulators. And what they do um, is they actually are able to treat the underlying protein dysfunction at the heart of cystic fibrosis. Um, and Trikafta is such an amazing drug uh, because of the clinical advocacy of it. Um, it. It has been shown to have a dramatic effect on uh, patient lung function, uh, patient quality of life. Um, it's, it's had a dramatic effect in my own life. You know, really, what's, what's going on in cystic fibrosis right now and really the CF policy world uh, is that we're all concerned, uh, or really our, pri- our priority right now is making sure that we continue to have access to Trikafta. If you could give like one word or like a just a short phrase to explain like the, the, the difference in your life after being on that therapy for, you know, a couple of weeks, how would you, how would you describe it? I mean, it's a miracle is what it is. It's plain and simply a miracle. I, you know, I would say that I, you know, felt the effects of this drug in a matter of hours. Um, you know, the viscosity of my normally thick, sticky mucus started to thin out. Uh, you know, for a couple of days, I was just you know, coughing and coughing and coughing and coughing with mucus that was in my lungs, just, you know, spread it out. And then uh, a few days later, it just stopped. You know, within within a week, I had pretty much stopped coughing entirely. Uh, and then I went back for uh, clinical evaluation as part of the clinical trial uh, within two or three weeks. And my lung function you know, skyrocketed, which is uh, <laughs> it doesn't happen when you have a progressive illness. You, know, you you see those numbers trend down, uh, but in my case, they started to go up. And uh, you know, when they released the uh, results from the trial, it was quite clear that just about all of us in the, in the trial had. similar, uh, similar results. That's awesome. So the other day you actually published an article uh, in the Hill newspaper. Um, and I'm just going to start, uh, with a quote from you and I'm going to ask, uh, ask you to unpack that a little bit, but Mm -hmm. the quote is a disturbing trend is washing over the United States. Insurers are using economic analyses based on a discriminatory cost effectiveness metric called quality adjusted life years, also qualities as negotiating leverage to limit access to life-changing medications. So what's your, what's your take on qualities? Like, what are you, why, why is this important right now? Like, why did you publish that in the Hill? Um, I I think, I think what we're seeing is that, um, 
you know, the economic analysis, quality adjusted life years is being used against people with rare uh, conditions or people who are on, you know, quote costly drugs, um, you know, costly to society. And why that is, is because, you know, there's so few of us living with, with these conditions. So when it, when it comes to, uh, you know, paying for access to medication, whether it's the government paying for it or it's commercial insurer, you know, it's, it's, you know, they, their position is that it's a, it's a cost and never thing to do. However, from our perspective, you know, the patients, you know, we feel like it's worth, you know, it's, it's very hard to put a value on the, the change that I've experienced in my life. And my, my, my big, you know, bone to pick with folly is that it doesn't actually account for quality of life increases, right? So if you look at my life from 2013 to 2018, I was in and out of the hospital or in and out of the, you know, the operating room or, you know, outpatient procedures, you know, all told, I, I had close to two dozen different medical procedures from 2013 to 2018 and more than a year on intravenous antibiotics. And when, when you go on those things and you're doing intravenous antibiotics, it's a, it's a very enor- it's an enormous disruptor in, in your life. Uh, you know, you're, you have to take a step back from work or you can't be quite as productive as, as you would hope to be. You know, you're dealing with, you know, with a live line in your arm uh, to feed these antibiotics. And, uh, it's a, it's a very difficult thing to live with. You know, then comes Trikafta. Uh, it's, it you know, changed my life to the point where in the first year following Trikafta, I didn't have a single medical procedure. So the, the change in my life was so uh, so robust that to find out that um, it's quality-adjusted life year model is being used against us and our, 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 our access to these medications is really just mind-boggling. Uh, and for, for me to, to really see that, um, you know, I felt, I felt that I, it was a responsibility of mine to, to write what I did in the hill and, and share that it is a discriminatory model that is used against people living with rare, uh, rare genetic conditions. So um, quality adjusted life years or qualies are kind of the backbone of, of um uh, these calculations that this organization called the Institute for Clinical and Economic Review uses, also we call it ICER, ICER uses to determine whether or not certain medications or therapies are, you know, quote unquote, worth it to the broader healthcare system. So, um, you know, w- that being the case, and, 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 and ICER is now looking at these CFTR modulating therapies currently, you know, how is the CF community reacting to that? Do you think? You know, I think I think broadly, people with CF um, have come to rely on these on these medications. You know, it's it's like all of a sudden we have you know these life changing drugs and they, you know basically life changing experiences. Uh, and then you know, just to, to hear that someone kind of wants to take that away from us uh, or use it as leverage, uh, you know, to to you know enhance the drug pricing debate or, or whatever, uh, is really kind of a it's like almost like a slap in the face. Um, and I think, you know, what's most important for us is that our out-of-pocket costs are low. And uh, speaking generally, you know, we, we, we talk with our constituents quite frequently, uh, you know, out-of-pocket costs for people with CF, you know, with, with good commercial insurance or even people on Medicare and Medicaid, you know, for the most part, our out-of-pocket costs are low. So, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty content with the way we're accessing these drugs. You know, obviously there's... You know, there's ways to improve things. Um, you know, nothing is ever perfect, but I think when we're speaking, we're speaking specifically about CFTR modulators that we do have methods to make sure that our out-of-pocket costs are low, whether it's copay assistance or working with different assistance programs to make sure that we can access these drugs 
uh, readily and easily. And it's important that it continues to stay that way. Um, it's also important that these drugs aren't used as leverage against uh, you know, the larger healthcare industry. So that's so it's interesting how you characterize that. So you know you're referencing you know there's been obviously um, a huge debate in the country about drug prices. But what, what, what I find interesting is you're saying that rare disease patients, and in this case, cystic fibrosis patients and their families and advocates and allies feel like, you know, ICER and these other organizations are, are almost like using your example um, to make a point. Yeah, you know, and I think I think what really comes down to is that the, the model they're using, this quality model, is just not uh, it doesn't ca- it doesn't encapsulate my entire life. You know, it doesn't it doesn't really show the change that I've had. Yeah, it it takes into like the account clinical efficacy and and and, and hard numbers like that, but it doesn't it's, it's unable to show the the individual individual change that I experienced. You know, it's unable to show you know a good friend of mine who had to go on disability because of her cystic fibrosis, but is now able to re-enter the workforce because of trichafta. So you know, those things are not accounted for when we're looking at um, you know these some of these economic models. So, but you know, ICER would say that 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 part of their goal is to ensure that patients have access to these to these novel medications at low cost. But it sounds like you're saying that the patient community is skeptical of their, of their stated goals. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, it's, I think the way they're using their utility values and, and the quality calculations are, are concerning. Like, you know, no one, no living person wants to ever have a value placed on their life on their life. And we do, and we know that's what quality does. It's like, you know, exactly. We know that's exactly what it does. You know, we look at, um, you know, our friends living with cystic fibrosis in the United Kingdom. And in the United Kingdom, you know, they're sort of seen as like the, uh, you know, the benchmark for these quality, these quality cal- calculations. And people in the UK are finally, after, you know, several years, finally able to access, you know, uh, prior generations of CFT modulators. They don't have trichafta there quite yet because, you know, it has been an the calculation there. But uh, prior generations of CFT modulators were delayed for years and years and years. And during that time, you lose countless lives or you lose count or, you know, precious lung function while, uh, you know, while these sort of, while these calculations, you know, play out simply because utility values are assigned to living people. And when you're assigned a value that says that you're, a not healthy, or you're never going to be returned to full health. It's it sort of feels like a slap in the face. And that I think is the the big problem that a lot of people living with CF or even other rare diseases have with these quality calculations. You know, this doesn't seem like it's the, the best method available to to judge whether or not people should you know be accessing these medications. So you would say that the quality. So if we were to encapsulate this for someone that's new to the, Insul- the Institute for Clinical and Economic Review and the idea of a quality, you would you, you would say ICER uses qualities to determine whether or not a medication or therapy is quote-unquote worth it to the health system. And in your opinion, a quality at its very base level is dehumanizing. Yeah, I mean, I think I call uh, I think I call, called quality in the Hill article ableist. And that's, that's really what it is. You know, you, you're having... You're using a model that uh, doesn't actually, you know, capture the human element of, of health. It doesn't capture the human element of the health industry in, in working towards improving somebody's health. Um, you know, it really just captures, you know, clinical markers. And I'm, you know, I've lived with CF long enough to know that, 
you know, I've, <laughs> I, you know, the numbers don't always tell the full story. Um, and, and I do think that, you know, the quality calculations are analyst and they are discriminatory because they really do favor uh, conditions or, or disease states that can be completely cured. We know cystic fibrosis is terminal and it will likely be terminal for as long as I live. And it's, uh, and I mean, the National Council on Disability has basically said the thing about the same thing about qualities, right? Yeah, I mean, the National Council on Disability came out and said that, you know, quality calculations are likely violations of the Americans with Disability Act, right? So, I, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, we, sh- we really just shouldn't be using it in the U.S. And we know, uh, you know, from, you know, we have other data points. We know we know in the United Kingdom and elsewhere that quality has been used to deny access to medications for people with cystic fibrosis for years. So, um, you know, in my opinion, it's not, it's not the model we should be using here in the U.S., uh, and I think it's important that policymakers do hear that and understand what they're discussing. Well, speaking of that, I'm thinking about where the foundation is based out of New York. And mm-hmm. I think it was New York uh, last year, or the year before, Medicaid um, actually cited ICER and the quality model to say that another CFTR modulator know shouldn't be shouldn't 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 be covered by by state medicaid or shouldn't cost what it was costing the state so you see these examples where um you know the these measures these quality measures and icers reports are being used to challenge at least access to the medication for patients yeah exactly and I, you know i think that's really what's the most concerning part is that you know while really you know while the state and the federal government shouldn't be making these uh you know, these calculations were really setting these calculations are sort of starting to leak in uh, to some of these decisions. And that's really what's causing, you know, cause for concern. Um, you know, I think we, we don't, we don't want to see these, these calculations determine access to medications, you know, but when they start to be cited in official memos or, uh, you know, in, in reports, then all of a sudden you start to, to think about it and you look at, how they've affected people, you know, overseas or, or even north of the border in Canada. And you sort of uh, can't help but think, you know, oh my God, is that going to come to the United States? And is that going to start to determine what medications are going to be getting? Because at the end of the day, it really takes away the power of the prescription pad from the provider. You know, we want our doctors and our care providers to be able to provide the best possible medications and the best possible courses of action to patients. And as soon as we start taking that away from them, then, you know, we're, sounds like we're doing something wrong. So, um, you know, for me, it's important that uh, my doctors continue and, and everyone's doctor within the cystic fibrosis world continues to have the power to pr- provide and prescribe you know, the best possible medications to treat individual cases. So let's talk about the, the, um, the nice example. So, um, the UK's model a little bit because it might provide some example for what we're looking at here. I mean, I know that some of the people at ICER um, have done, you know, fellowships and have studied the NICE model. So can you like just quickly give us a little bit of the, you know, history of, of, of these modulator therapies in yep. the UK? Like what's been going on? So, uh, Trigap is the fourth iteration of CFTR modulator program. Um, each modulator that has come out has been able to capture a larger portion of the cystic fibrosis population. So within CF, there's about 1,200, if not more, genetic mutations. Any two pairs would, would manifest cystic fibrosis in a patient. Um, as we've sort of con- gone on over the past decade, each modulator has added to the pool of, uh, medica- of, of genetic mutations that are indicated um, 
for treatment. So we you know, started with Claudica, then we went to Orcandy was the next one that was appropriate for that 40% of the patient population. Syndico was the third iteration that was able to treat about 50%. Now, now Tricacta is able to uh, to treat up to 90% of the CF population, just based on the number of different ways that they work. Um, and, what, and what we've seen is that not only have they been able to treat more, pe- more patients, but each modulator has sort of been able to in- increase upon the efficacy of the drug. So they're just they're just different generations of drugs, and that's sort of what the long and short of it is. Uh, over in the United Kingdom and, and in Canada, uh, you know, these drugs are evaluated with this cost effectiveness method, the quality method, and since uh, since they, they they sort of fail the cost effectiveness model uh, in the United Kingdom specifically, and, and the, I think it's uh, the, the the group of they're called Nice. Or niece, or, or whatever it is, is, is has been unable to justify taxpayer dollars being used to, to cover these medications for people with cystic fibrosis. So, for years, the cystic fibrosis group over there, the CF Trust and the CF Patient Advocates in the United Kingdom, have been campaigning, you know, you know, relentlessly to allow, for the government to allow access to these drugs. So, on one hand, yes, the, the drug was approved for use, but the government was not funding access to the drugs. Um, and it only this past year, you know, or candy was, was the drug in question, really. Uh, it had been approved for use for, for a number of years, but only just this past year, 2019, was it finally approved by the government for funding to access. So, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, a number of years where people were denied access to this drug. And the nature of cystic fibrosis is that it's a oppressive disease. And, you know, if you're losing valuable time to... Uh, to, to, to the condition and without, without a treatment that's sort of sitting right in front of you, you, know, you can imagine how that must feel for patients who are in that situation to, to sort of see their American comrades or, uh, you, know, you know, American brothers and moms, you know, sort of, you know, receiving access to prior generations of medications while you, living with the same condition, just in a different country, aren't able to access them. That's sort of the root issue in all of this uh, is that, um, you know, the government of my kingdom was denying access uh, to patients. And that was, you know, in, in a lot of cases, it proved deadly or proved detrimental to the individual lives. Well, and, and so, I mean, and, and people would, if someone were to say to you, you know, Gunner, you know, you're ringing the fire alarm, the fire alarm here, like, just calm down. Like, you mm-hmm. have an example to point to where you say, no, you know, these quality measures, here's an ex- here is a direct example of where these quality measures have been used to yeah, and, justify. And that's, and that's a scary thing. You know, I think... Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of different parties that have uh, different uh, opinions, needs, and priorities when it comes to the healthcare industry. And, um, you know, like I said earlier in the show, you know, it's, it's, it's important that patients are not used as leverage against each other or against the industry or the government. But that's, that's like the last thing we should do. You know, I think it's our priority when it comes to, you know, pursuing health policy is what is best for the individual patient. And then we can discuss the intangibles and the other issues that are sort of tangential to uh, patient access. And at the end of the day, you know, our patients should be getting the best possible care they can, they can get. Uh, and then we can discuss everything else. So, Gunnar, um, in the near term, you know, the, 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 the Institute for Clinical and Economic Review kind of has these, um, these reviews of these different medications that come up uh, every year. And right now they're looking at uh, CF medications. They're going to release a draft report on February the 20th. Um, you know, clearly 
the patient community is concerned about about this this report. Um, so, how do you recommend that folks? What do they do about it? I mean, how do you think that they should go about um, you know interfacing with ICER? You know, one thing ICER does is they do provide avenues for patients to be heard. Um, you know, whether that's through social media or through uh, you know official uh, comments to be made to ICER, I would encourage uh, the CF patient population to a really look up and understand what ICER is and understand what quality adjusted light years are and understand these metrics and how they're used and why they can very likely be used against us. Um, and then I would you know make sure that you're 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 reaching out to not only ICER but also uh, their you know policymakers in your in your in your town, your your state, and of course uh, on the federal level to make sure that they understand what ICER quality is and how they are being used uh, to to you know uh, to near term restrict access to, to medications and how they and how their reviews can influence uh, you know, policy decisions. So Gunner, you know when we look at the the ICER reviews of different medications, you know, across disease states, you know, I, the numbers that kind of matter for ICER's qualification, uh, for ICER's calculations are like budget impact to the health system, right? Or the population health benefit or clinical trials data, things that, you know, for, for a lot of patients don't make a ton of sense, but you know, what, what, when I'm, I'm curious for you as a patient, do those numbers matter to you necessarily as a patient, not as a student, not as a public health, you know, uh, uh, student, but as a patient, does, you know, what mat- what numbers actually matter to you? What really matters is how my life has changed. You know, I look at the number of days that I've been on Trikafta and the period of time that has elapsed between starting Trikafta and how my life changed. You know, for me, uh, the number that really mattered was 20, 24 hours. And 24 hours from dosing Trikafta to, you know, the day after, you know, was recognizing how my life changed in that short period of time. You know, I spent decades waiting for a miracle and that miracle was delivered to me in a matter of 24 hours from dosing Trikafta for the first time. And that's the number that really matters to me. Awesome. Gunnar, thanks for your thoughts today. So if you've listened to our patient access podcast, you know that we end with a lightning round of fun questions. <laughs> and uh, as a, as a former new Englander, uh, I know, uh, you're up there in the winter and it is cold. Um, but we want to do some new England themed lightning round questions for you. Cool. You ready? Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Number one. Uh, so you're in frosty, New Hampshire. Uh, do you ski or do you snowboard? Uh, I am a skier. I am a I'm a struggling skier, but I'm, I'm working on working on getting better. <laughs> All right. Uh, pancakes Sunday morning, real maple syrup, fake fake maple syrup. That's uh, gotta be the real maple syrup. I'm here. I might as well get it, right? From right right across the right across the border of Vermont. I need some maple syrup. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, while you're up there at Dartmouth, what's the what's the coldest temperature you've experienced at this point? Uh, a few weeks ago, we got real cold. We dropped to like 20 below wind chill. It was uh, my car was frozen shut, and there I was de-icing, trying to get the glass in the morning. But uh, yeah, 20 below is the coldest I've seen so far this year. I think people have to understand too when you walk from your home, like your home, and it's 72 out to negative 20 that's like a hundred degrees yeah no i mean it was like it was it was one of those things where like it was painfully cold i will say the nice thing like i do have class pretty early in the morning up here walking outside in that kind of cold weather it just wakes you up immediately like, you, don't even, you don't even need your coffee you just open the door and you just get blasted by the cold air 
<laughs> oh, great. Uh, thanks for your leadership, Gunner, and thanks for being uh, our guest today on AFPA's Patient Access Podcast. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ryan.